Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we have rare but vital conversations about Jesus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Life Podcast. One Life is a startup church here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to build. <laughs> Our mission is to build extended families of disciples that live on mission together. My name is Tiffany Ketchum, and here with me is my husband and co-host, Tim Ketchum. Roll Tide. (laughs) Roll Tide Roll. (laughs) Roll Tide Roll. (laughs) I only knew how to respond to that because um, I'm a big Alabama fan. But why are we saying roll tide? Well, that's... It's not even like football season. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're definitely out of season saying that, but uh, it, it will come up later in our podcast. Oh, okay. And now we just turned away uh, most of the population of the United <laughs> States. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That should be interesting. Thank you for listening today. And this is episode 43. So are we jumping into the... Alabama football. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna be jumping into Romans four, but we're gonna use uh, football as an analogy to kind of help us grasp some um, of what is going on. Okay, you know, in in the text here. So okay, so we're jumping into the New Testament first, but we're still in the story of Abraham, right? Yeah, we're still unpacking the story of Abraham because he still looms large. He casts a long shadow over the New Testament. And we've been talking the last couple of episodes about circumcision. Yeah, that's a touchy topic. And we're going to keep talking about circumcision, but in a different way. Because like all good things that the Lord gives us, we tend to take them and turn them into something that's not so good. And that's kind of what the Jewish uh, tendency was, was to turn circumcision into this thing that sort of made them feel like they were exclusively God's only object of affection or love and didn't realize that circumcision was given in the context of God wanting to bless all nations. Mm. And so Paul's going to address this in Romans 4 and say, hey, uh, you can't really rely on circumcision as a way to be in right standing with God. And especially you can't look at circumcision as something that excludes Gentiles from being a part of God's family, mm. specifically a part of the, the family of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Gentiles are? Aha, yeah, good point. Uh, Gentiles are is anyone who's not a Jew. Yes. Okay. Anyone who is not a physical descendant of Abraham. Okay, so we're in Romans 4. Yep, we're going to start in verse 9 and go through verse 12 and kind of get into this topic of who's your daddy or Father Abraham. Okay. But before we get into the text, I think it's helpful to remind us that, you know, God promised that a blessing is associated with Abraham. And so Paul's kind of dealing with this issue of, well, how do you get the blessing? And who gets the blessing and what qualifies you? to receive the blessing that God was going to give through Abraham and his seed. And so that's that's kind of like the issue that Paul's dealing with here. And one of the assumptions they have is, well, you can't get the blessing unless you're the seed of Abraham, i.e. you got to be Jewish. And Paul's going to push back on that and say, well, we actually need to redefine or reframe how you understand 
what it means to be the seed of Abraham or what it means for Abraham to be your father. So that's that's kind of what we're getting into here. Great. Okay. So Romans 4 and starting in verse 9. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews or is also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. So I, I love the translation that you're reading out of. What, what is that translation? Um, I think it's the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. There's a little bit of paraphrasing going on in there. Yeah, it's definitely simplified a bit. It definitely simplifies it for us, and I think it really captures what's going on in Paul's thought process here, because both Jews and Gentiles have to be able to claim Abraham as their father in order to be a recipient of the blessing. And so what Paul's going to bring out here is that, you know, Abraham was circumcised, but if you look at the order of events, the sequence of events, he was counted righteous before God showed up and said, hey, you need to start circumcising yourself and your, you know, all, all your kids and their kids and the whole generation thing. And he's saying this is really important for us to see because what Jewish people will often do and what they were doing in Paul's day is they basically claimed Abraham as their physical grandfather. Ancestor. His ancestor. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, in other words, they, they were relying on their physical descent, their, their lineage. And not only their physical lineage, but they were also relying on the law or their circumcision or their ability to keep the law in a way that was satisfactory. And what Paul's going to say is that that actually is not sufficient. In fact, the story of Abraham does not allow you to do that. That Abraham was counted righteous before circumcision and as Galatians 3 will talk about, he was counted righteous 430 years before the law even showed up on the scene. And so instead of relying on lineage or on the law, Paul is going to say, if you have faith like Abraham had faith, in other words, he's going to appeal to likeness and not lineage, that is what's going to make you a child of Abraham. That's what's going to make Abraham your father. In the same way that Abraham had trust in God's promise, if you also have trust in God who raised Jesus from the dead, then Abraham is your father. And if God counted Abraham as righteous because of his faith in the promise, God will also count you righteous because of your faith in God raising Jesus from the dead. 
So he's, he's creating a parallel here between us and Abraham. And he's saying, Abraham is your daddy. Abraham is your father if you have the same kind of faith that Abraham has. And that's a really big deal in Paul's day because, the, you know, the, the analogy we want to use here to kind of like, you know, make this a little bit more simple, if you will. Wait, are we about to jump into the Roll Tide thing? Oh, yeah. Okay. This should be interesting. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to use this analogy that I, I was never a, number one, I was never a college football fan, and I, much less an Alabama fan. I knew that Alabama and Auburn was a really big rivalry when I was living in Alabama, and I really never took a side. But then when I got <laughs> married to Tiffany... Well, and let me say... Yeah, Tim really did not know anything about football. I basically had to teach him <laughs> and, about and what was me. going on in the game, and I, I like Alabama football. So yeah, you're you're definitely a hardcore Alabama fan. Yeah. So and it's not just you; it's your family, right? I was and born into it. You were born into it. That's right. And so you know, when we got married, what happened was I got kind of grafted into the Alabama cult. Um, (laughs) strong term yeah um and so i i sort of became an alabama fan now granted i don't own any alabama t-shirts and all that but whenever alabama games are on and we watch it in our house i most of the time sit with tiffany we watch it together i cheer for alabama yeah you know you definitely (laughs) cheer and watch more than i do you get more excited than i do you're more into it but i still have characteristics of a fan Right. But there is this thing in long term Alabama fans where they kind of look at people like me as bandwagon. Right. Like I'm, I'm not a, a real Alabama fan because I don't own any shirts. I don't have I haven't been to any actual games, whereas you were actually a Alabama fan like from childhood. You were born into it, and I think it goes several generations back, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's, it's kind of like in, in the family. family. It is, you know. In fact, I had a cousin that was the big big owl mascot <laughs> in, for real in college. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it, it's definitely ingrained. He, he, I, was, he was actually I, the I, mascot running around on the football field? Right, yeah. At Alabama games? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I actually don't remember not being an Alabama fan ever. Yeah, so. Yeah, so, and would you say that within, like, the hardcore Alabama fans, there is sort of, like, this thing about, hey, we, we've we been in this thing for a long time, but <laughs> you're kind of like a bandwagon yeah. fan. You only became a Alabama fan when they started winning with. Yeah, you definitely have those thoughts, like, especially, like, with Alabama, you know, being really good in the past years, like, people kind of jumping on because they're the winning team. Mm. Yeah. So it, you definitely have those thoughts of like, yeah, but, you know, I was born into it. <laughs> <laughs> we go way back. We're a real Alabama fan. Right. You know, to kind of map this back onto our text here, Jewish, in, in Paul's day, Jewish people were kind of claiming, hey, this has been in our family. And Abraham is our father. We're the real Alabama fans. <laughs> You know, and those Gentiles over there, they're just trying to hop on and get in on something that we've been in all along. And they're not real Alabama fans. They're not real, you know, covenant members of God's family. And Paul kind of presses back on this and he says, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. 
he says, well, are those Gentiles, do they show up for the game? Do they cheer for Alabama? Do they hope that Alabama will win every game? He's like, well, yeah, yeah. And he says, well, that's enough. Then they are Alabama fans. And you're no more of an Alabama fan just because it's been in your family and just because it goes way back. You're not more of an Alabama fan than they are. The basic minimum requirement is that you hope that Alabama is going to win and that you show up for the games and you cheer for them. And Paul kind of says that it's the same thing with being a covenant member of God's family. The basic requirement is if you want Abraham to be your father, you have to trust that God can make good on his promise. And the specific promise that we trust in in the new covenant is that God raised Jesus from the dead and that he will raise us from the dead as well. And that's what makes us legit. That's what qualifies us to claim Abraham as our father. And therefore, we start to be, not start to be, but we are qualified to receive the blessing that God promised to give through Abraham. It's a little bit of a complicated argument that Paul has to make, but it's because he's addressing something very specific in his audience, and he's using the Old Testament scriptures to make his argument. Okay, so Paul is talking to the Jews here in their time and some struggle they have with who is accepted into the family. But what does this have to do with us now or with Jesus? Like, how can we tie this in? There's actually a recurring theme in Romans about uh, what it means to be a son of God or what it means to be a daughter of God. And he actually uses this more inclusive language in Romans 8 where he talks about being children of God. And, you know, for Paul, being a son or a daughter of God is not just about the status of being a son, but it also has this idea of likeness, of transformation. And he he really gets into this in Romans 8 where he talks about, you know, being conformed to the image of his son. You know, in in our transactional world, in our tendency towards legalism, we can kind of see salvation or being a child of God as sort of a one and done kind of thing. That okay, now I'm a now I'm a son, now I'm a daughter, I'm in the family. Okay, everything's good, and you just kind of go on about your way. Do these things and yeah, yeah. Do the you know do do these bare minimum requirements, and in that sense, we actually become more like that incorrect logic of the Jewish people, which relied on your lineage or relied on your obedience to the law to kind of secure your righteousness or your salvation. And what Paul wants to say is that it's, it's way more than that, that being a son or a daughter of someone means you actually become like them. In other words, their story starts to get lived out in your story. So in, in Romans 4, he's saying, hey, you should have the same kind of faith that Abraham had. And when Paul gets further on in Romans, he's going to say, really, Abraham is just a forecast. He's prefiguring the story of Jesus, who actually became righteous in his obedience and in his faith. And it's one reason why Paul uses that phrase, the faithfulness of Christ, 
that it's actually the faith of Christ that allowed Christ to become a fully righteous person. And when we get united with him as a son or a daughter, he starts to take us through the same developmental process that he himself went through as a son so that we can start becoming like his father. We start looking like him, talking like him, feeling like him, doing what he did. There starts to become like a family resemblance between us and God. And that's really what salvation is about. That's really what justification is about. He declares us justified, but then he actually goes about making things right in our life right now. And the end result of that is that we become more like him. He starts repairing and healing and transforming the brokenness. And that all takes place in an environment of faith. God's able to do that because we actually trust him and place our hope in him. This is really good news that God, the creator of the universe, the most powerful and great being of all, wants to adopt us into his family, that we don't have to stay stuck in our struggles and our hurts, that when we trust in Jesus, the Father's very Son, and we trust that he came to earth and became one of us, and that he lived his life to perfection, and that he may have died, but that he rose from the grave, that he is alive today, seated with the Father, when we can trust that, we are brought into his family, and we also get to receive the new life through him, through his spirit, even becoming like him. That's really good. It seems like a, a good way to end it out. Is, is that all we had to talk about for this episode? Yep, I think that wraps us up. Great. Well, appreciate you listening. Please uh, subscribe if you want to get notifications and um, continue in our conversation about Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.